Hey, everybody. It's uh, Colton Stombaugh again with the Dean Houston Inspire podcast. We're providing you fearless B2B insights. Uh, today, we're going to be jumping into an extremely interesting topic um, that should really be top of mind for any B2B marketer looking forward, but uh, especially those that really work in niche industries. Um, so with that, we've got one of the uh, kind of foremost experts in this area, uh, Carter Hostily, the CEO of Leadtail. Carter, how are you doing today? I'm doing great in snowy Portland, learning, uh, learning how to dig ourselves out of snow out here. We're not used to it. <laughs> yeah, I think you and, and the rest of the country, luckily being, uh, you know, Chicago born and raised and still here, we're, we're veterans. But uh, I'll tell you what, 20, 20 inches of snow, and it, uh, it'll, it'll do anybody in. But uh, that's all right. We've got these beautiful things like Zoom to keep, uh, keep business moving these days. So, you know, Carter, how about to, to start, you know, so we can get a good frame of reference for the audience. Um, well, first of all, who are you and who is Leaptail? Yeah, so let me share something with you that a lot of people don't know. And that is I am a, a um, recovering finance person. And I'm a Cornell MBA in finance, worked on Wall Street, and dropped into Silicon Valley working with startups. And one day, and this is about 15 years ago now for a frame of reference, clearly I'm a millennial, um, I discovered that I was very frustrated and burnt out dealing with venture capitalists and lawyers. And so I took a moment, sort of looked around and said, well, who is it that seems to be having all the fun? Lo and behold, it was the marketers. <laughs> and the timing was really good because if we all think back 15 years ago, it was the emergence of social media. And really, my goal was to leapfrog and dive into social um, head first and reinvent myself as a marketer. And as I, as I started to do that, I realized pretty early on, especially as you get in around 2010, 2012, the B2B folks in particular really did not understand what was happening with social media, while the B2C side was getting their head around it pretty, pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And with that knowledge, you know, I, I went ahead and founded a, a B2B social media agency called Detail. All we do is focus on B2B social media, primarily in this tech sector, but we, we have always also worked with a number of um, services-based businesses, and as you said in the intro, niche sort of businesses around B2B. And the thing that's really interesting is over the last five years, we've really now seen um, the rise of B2B influencer marketing. And if you, anyone watching this is brand new to influencer marketing, don't worry about it because really we're B2B influencer marketing first got a foothold within the world of tech and startups. But now it's very much expanding into the broader definition of B2B in services industries, industrial industries, et cetera. So that is really what myself and my colleagues do is focus around B2B social. And one of the key areas of interest now is this area called B2B influencer marketing. Yeah. So, you know, as you're telling that story, Carter, you know, and, and I, I think about really the, the why behind it. I mean, you laid out this really great, you know, kind of strategic process on what inspired you to found Leadtail and dive headfirst 
you know, into B2B social and then really pushing the, the influencer side. Um, you know, and it makes a lot of sense, but maybe from the perspective of the audience, right? So if I'm a B2B marketer, maybe specifically in that, you know, niche service sector or maybe in the industrial or manufacturing side, um, why now is, is it the time to jump into B2B social, maybe specifically influencer, you know, what, um, maybe what's the, the timing vector there that's really making this, you know, ripe, you know, and there's fruit on that tree, but also, you know, why in, in those niches does it finally make sense? Well, all of us as business professionals, business owners, marketers have always known what the most powerful marketing force is, and that is word of mouth marketing. It's not brand marketing. It's not performance-based marketing. It's not, you know, email marketing. It is word of mouth marketing. Exactly. What, what people say is, is a result of all those other components and pieces and parts, you know, so ultimately, you know, yeah, the, is, the conversation is critical, right? Correct. The truth is we, as decision makers and buyers, trust other people more than we trust brands. Okay, and this is really where, where you know, the, the foundation of word of mouth marketing comes from, just the psychology of it all. Now, the thing that's really interesting is with the rise of social and the rise of digital, we started to shift this thinking about influencer from really what B2B companies have been familiar with for arguably decades, which is this mindset of the influencers are the journalists. The influencers are the industry analysts. The PR teams solely focus on, though they didn't call it influencer marketing, but they were solely focused on getting the influencers of the day, meaning um, journalists at the trade publications and the industry analysts that follow those particular industries to, to know about the company and, and talk well about the company. Yep. But as social and digital has risen up, there's a whole crop of new folks that now have a platform upon which to talk about products, services, and brands. These are the bloggers. These are now the podcasters like us on this conversation today. These are, these are the folks on YouTube and Instagram, et cetera. It's really risen up. And the truth is the sooner we, the brands, understand that we do not control the conversation about the brand, but others do, the quicker we got our head around the fact that we need to build um, relationships with and collaborate with those that have the trust, have the credibility, and most importantly, have the ear of our audiences. Yeah, no, and it, uh, it, you think about it, and it, um, you know, you, you invoke a lot, of, a lot of tactics that are still very valid, maybe in B2B, but really it's the next, next extension. Right. So I think about like, let's just pick on manufacturing, um, you know, trade publications and trade organizations, historical, huge influencer, maybe even extend, though, you know, maybe, you know, you're absolutely right that a company can't control, you know, the way that the market sees the brand. But they've also been very historically relying on, on very high powered, well-connected salespeople. 
to be out there networking and help promote word of mouth too. Um, you know, which maybe the brand has a little control over, but you know, you look at the dynamics of well-connected salespeople, they're often working for multiple companies over the life of their career, <laughs> you know, so, so to what end, right? And, and I love what you're laying down there, Carter, where really looking at this, this social influencer and social side on B2B is really, you know, the way to, to maybe start influencing the conversation. I mean, that's why they call them influencers. Um, but also do it at scale. Right. You know, and you look at, you know, some of the challenges that uh, I think a lot of B2B companies are facing, you know, when you're five big trade shows where you were going to connect with all your customers over the course of the year, you know, are, are going virtual and they are just Zoom, <laughs> Zoom calls at this point in many ways is, you know, how do you counteract that? And I kind of see influencer and social being a major part of being able to, to be part of that word of mouth networked conversation. Um, so, you know, to, to look at that, right, is I think we've done a great job kind of talking about some of the value and maybe the, uh, the macro trends that make this the right time. You know, trying to put myself in the, the shoes of maybe one of those late adopting sectors into the influencer side, how do I even get started? You know, maybe uh, maybe that starts with selection of the influencer, but what does that even look like? How do you start that process to figure out who to collaborate with? Yeah, that's really where it starts with. And I'll tell you, I've been I've just been continually amazed um, at this particular question because I will talk to CEOs and CMOs at, at companies that have been around a long time, meaning, you know, in the world of tech in particular, that may be five years or more, but obviously in the world of industry, it could be 50 years. And I'll ask a very simple question when this comes up about influencer marketing. And I'd say, well, tell me who is it that is influential to your buyers? Okay, and they'll say, oh, journalists or analysts or people at trade shows. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Tell me who, can you give me some names? Crickets. They do not know. They absolutely do not know. Okay, and this is, tends to be the first awakening for them is to realize that they really don't have a good beat on this. Now, now to be clear, they may know a few people. They may say, hey, this person, they spoke at our virtual event, this person, but, but by and large, they're really not sure how to answer this. And even if they answer it, it tends to be what I would consider the more traditional sort of influencers journalists, folks within um, industry associations, etc. So the first thing you have to do is understand that you really don't know who these folks are and you need to roll up your sleeves and do some research. And, and knowing that so much of what we're doing today is driven by the rise of digital and social, you really need to do social research, right? So, so the good news is there's a number of tools available out there, um, broadly called social listening tools, this may be like a brand watch. There's a new great tool called Spark Toro. There's, there's tools that come from the social publishing platforms of Hootsuite and Sprout Social. So a lot of these will give you a pretty good sense um, based on sort of the keywords and topics you care about. It could be even people that already follow your social handles to get a beat on, which you're gonna, and, and obviously you can leverage your PR teams. You can leverage who it is you already know in your marketing and literally put together a hit list of anywhere between 30 to 50 people. 
Okay, and my experience is this is comprised of different types of influencers, journalists, analysts, bloggers, podcasters, authors of books, folks that are on the typical industry speaking circuit, whatever it is. Um, and then the second piece that's really critical in here is you're not necessarily just trying to find the folks that have the largest you know, number of Twitter followers, right? Really, you've got to then intersect with what is your story? What is your narrative? What are the products and services you sell? I'll give you a very simple example of this. We do a lot of work with companies selling into the IT department. And they are trying to re get influencers with CIOs, the chief information officer. Okay, but different influencers may cater to different issues, like one may influencer may their sweet spot may be cybersecurity. But that's different than another influencer that may be all about digital transformation, or even another influencer that may be all about artificial intelligence. So, so, so understanding what the universe of potential influencers are for your broadly um, said industry, but then in, in particular, finding those influencers that are already using their platform to talk about the issues, themes, topics within which your specific service and product offering fits is really key. Make sense? Yeah, so it sounds like what you're, you're describing there, Carter, is, you know, and, and I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around this process. Maybe I'll talk through it a little bit. You know, so you mentioned some great tools out there that, you know, probably help automate some of that going out and manually hunting and pecking and looking for individual people, you know, and, and maybe I'll get a, hey, here are the people talking in the, the IT sector with the quant side, right? So the data side on here's how many followers they have and their engagement, you know, and, and, and all that. But the next step after you figure out, okay, here's our pool from a data perspective, you know, maybe he's got the most following then it almost feels like it turns into a qualitative assessment. Um, are they talking about, you know, the realities that, that impact my specific product? Um, how does that fit my ideal customer profile? Yes. Um, so it almost feels, right, you've got that, that clouds and dirt analogy, right, where maybe the dirt is going in doing all that numbers research, but then really thinking strategically, you know, what's the right mix of audience reach and engagement overlaid with are these people really talking about what's important related to my product and offer is that right that's absolutely correct because the two words that really matter once you've got this broader hit list is who is the most relevant to my buyers and who speaks in a context that fits where my services and product offering is okay so you know I, I found that Nirvana, right? I've got a, a follower with pretty good reach, but also that on the money, you know, like in that analogy you gave, I'm trying to get into IT departments and there's 50 different things that they need to worry about, but my product fits one. And this is that, that, that perfect mix of good following, great product market fit. All right, so I've identified this influencer. Well, what's next? What is, what does that collaboration look like? What are the different ways that you can engage those types of individuals that might be great brand ambassadors? You know, I, f I first learned this about six years ago, and I laugh because you know, as we're all on this journey around sort of 
where marketing is going and what we need to be doing today, or to say it another way, what will be tomorrow's best practices that I need to start doing today to, to win in my marketplace, right? You sort of, you sort of discover this thing. So about six years ago, um, I was doing this, this uh, influencer project for a, a, what is now a public company. They weren't then and sat down with their head of product and head of marketing, and they were targeting, um, building off the CIO example, top CIO influences. And we presented to them this hit list. And, and literally, I thought our job was done, right? I'm, I'm, I'm like the cat that ate the canary, going, here you go. And, and I was so pleased with myself, as often I am. The head of marketing turns to me and goes, oh, that person I was just on the phone with, and that person spoke at our conference, and I've heard of them before. So they did essentially the smell test. Yes, this looks like the right folks. And then they asked the magic question, right? They said, well, who are the rest of these people, right? And I said, okay, well, let me see if I understand this. You've been in business nine years. You raised $250 million in, in venture capital. You're hoping to go public in two years. You don't know most of these people that are influencing your buyer, right? And then I said the next thing, which is, well, now's the time to find out. And I slid, literally had a printout. I slid the list over them to them. And they looked at me, the CMO looked at me and the head of product looked at me and said, well, what do we do now? Which is the heart <laughs> of your question. Yeah. And it didn't click into me at that point because I already thought I was giving them the keys to the kingdom. Right. They had no idea what to do, right? So, so anyone out there listening to this should not feel badly if, but that is the next question. Now, I would argue it's really the first question. If we know who the influencers are, what do you want them to do? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you a key mistake everybody makes. Everybody says, well, I want them to promote my blog post. I want them to promote my webinar. Can you reach out to them and tell them we have a great webinar? Can they please promote it? Okay, and, and I said, and I later learned, because some folks have come to us because they've tried this themselves, mm -hmm. that if you do that, you literally are spamming influencers, which will do exactly the opposite of what you're hoping, which is to build relationships and advocacy with these influencers. Mm -hmm. But what you have to think about is you have to think about, and the magic word here is collaboration. How should we collaborate with them? And part of it is understanding what is really the value that an influencer brings beyond credibility and, 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 and uh, awareness for a brand. Well, most of them are some form of content creator. Okay? They write blog posts. They speak. They have a podcast platform. So the question is, how do you take your content marketing roadmap? How do you take your marketing initiatives and then intersect them with this thing called influencer? Yep. Okay. Does, does that, does that make sense? So, yeah. so it's really, how do you collaborate with them? Right. And I, I think that it's interesting. I bet you, you know, I, well, I'm willing to bet that that idea of, you know, especially when companies first start to get into this, and I've even seen it happen at the, the B2C level where it's, Hey, Here's our existing marketing or content strategy. How do we just bolt an influencer on and use them as a megaphone for what we've already got, what we've already got in the hopper? 
where instead, I think what you're suggesting, Carter, is that, okay, so we start to identify who this is, and then almost that, that strategy in of itself requires, you said collaboration, but I'd probably add an adjective there, creative collaboration. Yeah. You know, and I think in a way that, you know, again, a, a lot of our audience is very, you know, technical products minded, industrial minded. We always think about like this concept of value stream, right? Is how do we add value for the customer and our partners at every stage, you know, of the, the, the production process and the delivery process? Well, maybe we need to start thinking about that as we, we explore these new marketing tactics. How do we add value to the influencer and how do we add value to the influencer's audience to really make this work? And that probably requires that same product development creative approach that you would take in all these other aspects of your business. I mean, is that something that you'd, you'd agree with? Yeah. Yes. And, and I have to warn you because there's lots of fun rabbit holes right around this conversation that I love to dive into. So feel free uh -huh. to wrangle. Okay, well, maybe give us, could you maybe give us an example and feel free to do whatever you need to do to protect the innocent or guilty, um, you know, uh, on, on what that creative process has looked like in, in one specific instance to maybe spur the thoughts of the audience. But. Yes, yes. And let me, let me first start with often um, when a B2B company thinks about influencer marketing, their first sort of anchor is what's happening and you touched on a little bit on the B2C side of things. So there's something very fundamental to understand that is the difference between B2B and B2C. Okay, not to, not to make a slight on my, you know, my colleagues in the B2C influencer marketing world, but in many ways B2C is glorified product placement. Okay, glorified celebrity endorsement. Okay, on the B2B side, it's not like that because B2B influencers are highly sensitized to not being in any way presented as some paid shill on behalf of a product. Right. So they're very sensitive to their professional um, reputation. Okay, but with that said, to your point, when you're thinking about how to be creative around collaboration opportunities, the first fundamental question you have to ask is this is what the influencer is thinking in their head when you first reach out to them, the influencers is thinking to themselves, well, what's in it for me? Why should I do this? Why, how, why and how will this raise my visibility and reinforce my standing within, within this community of which I'm influential? Okay, because they know anything they do that is not authentic and trustworthy that their influence and we all know this from a branding perspective can be lost in an instant and that can be 10 15 20 years of credibility that is lost in an instant. Yep. so when we are thinking about or when we are working with a client about how best to collaborate with them in a creative way we have to keep that front and center right um, now to your question one of the things that's very timely for all the reasons we understand is, is leveraging influencers for virtual events. Okay, this is, this is really the easiest way to do it, especially if our goal of, of this sort of program is to, you know, brand awareness, to build credibility, to drive more engagement, all these things that we care about with these virtual events in particular. 
right? And, and possibly drive some leads. So you really want to think about some fundamental questions. Um, is there a right influencer that can be a keynote speaker and have a very interesting vantage point to share? Should an influencer be someone that moderates our sort of virtual breakout sessions and, and, and panels? Should an influencer or can an influencer be a guest on a panel, right? Sometimes we're working with clients and maybe their product um, does not have the reputation they would like in the industry. And they're releasing a new product to address some of the issues that, you know, have popped up. Well, maybe it makes sense to have a call bullshit session where an influencer asks the tough questions to the company exec and ask the questions that the influencer knows everyone is thinking and yet is done in a way that is highly collaborative and, and can really showcase the executive in talking about and acknowledging what's been going on and how their new product or service is going to address it, right? So you can think about how to do these things. The other thing you can think about is, especially if you're someone that is trying to move from simply what I like to call product marketing, talking about your product all the time, to what increasingly I hear brands want to talk about, which is being a thought leader. Okay, well, one of the ways to be a thought leader is to have conversations with influencers. So something as simple as, you know, launching a podcast series like Dean Houston has done, um, and, and really saying, well, let's have influencers on as the guests versus simply, you know, talk about how great our services are with each other, right? All of these create great content, it's authentic, can establish as thought leaders and build relationships with influencers that um, really can be something that continues to pay for itself again and again and again. So, yeah, and I, I think to boil that down, you know, it, um, and it makes a lot of sense to me is like you said, the, the, one of the cardinal sins, especially maybe from that, that partner influencer perspective is ever getting to a point where this exercise feels like product placement or paid shillery. Right. Yeah. And, and I like, you know, you, you use a lot of very familiar ideas there, you know, that have, you know, a, well, things that have been going on forever, you know, I, I look at some like the big trade shows that, that happen in a lot of the core industries we serve, you know, in getting, uh, I'll never forget, you know, into a big petroleum show, right, which are about as exciting as they get. Actually, sadly, they are exciting for me and most of my colleagues, you know, but they'll bring in uh, Ed Hockley, you know, like the famous, you know, NFL referee to talk about leadership, right? And didn't talk about petroleum, but I'll tell you what, that whole room was ready to go and had a very positive association with the conference because they were able to experience something like that. And that's been going on since, you know, the beginning of trade show times. And it sounds like what you're saying is don't focus on your product. Don't try and place something, you know, maybe leverage these collaborations with influencers to create real conversations around your industry or things that are important and the rest will follow. Um, is that semi-accurate? That is absolutely accurate. And here is the way to think about it, you know, um, and, and a lot of this comes from the humanistic that is social media. So here is, here is a very powerful concept 
but, but, but um, interestingly, it's turned out to be very hard to do for companies. Okay, so here it is. The more you talk about other people, the more they will talk about you. The more you talk about yourself, the more you're gonna be in an empty room talking about yourself, okay? So this is what, influencer is one version. The more you make the influencer look good, you can finish the second half of that sentence, right? The more the influencer will bend over backwards to make you look good. Right. Right. And this and is where the brand And they'll do it in a way that's authentic and feels right to them, which then will translate to the audience. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant when you think about it. It's, it's almost just let things happen organically and don't try too hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, I think that there's a lot of wisdom there. Um, you know, so, so thinking about that. So, all right. So we've gone through that journey, how to find an influencer you know, and there's so much creativity and broadness, and as you described it, rabbit holes and what that specific engagement could look like, you know, but above all things, it's lean into thought leadership, you know, think about collaboration. So maybe those things are happening, you know, and, and we figured this out. What does success really look like, you know, and, and how can a marketer, and then maybe at a higher level, at the executive level, start to think about, right? Because, you know, as marketers these days, we, you know, love to talk about and throw around terms like ROI and KPIs. And, you know, obviously those are very important because that's what allows you to map to those high level business objectives that make, you know, investors and board members and all those types of things happy. How can a marketing team, you know, that, that's starting to deploy this start to look for those, those nuggets of data or, or success metrics that allow them to feel comfortable once they start to go down this path. I'm gonna sort of tell you how you map it out with a campaign and then I'm gonna tell you how it really works. Right. Okay, let me do the first part. Okay. The first part is, you know, once you put together your list of influencers and you understand what you want them to do given a marketing campaign, the next thing you wanna understand is how you're gonna measure the success of that campaign. Now, depending on what it is, it could be a virtual event. As an example, you're going to understand what the goals are. So if it's a virtual event, your goal may be to build as much awareness as possible. And you may measure that by how many impressions the influencer drove literally by retweeting and promoting on social the event. Okay. On the other hand, it may be some other sort of uh, thing. Maybe it's a, a, they're going to run a Twitter chat. Okay. And, and now in this case, what you may care about is how many engagements they drove, right? You may say, hey, you know, we have some sort of ongoing series. I'm using Twitter chat because I'm a social guy, but it could be a webinar series, it could be a podcast, anything else, or, or you could be running a LinkedIn Live, and, and, and you may say, we need to drive more engagement. So the influencer could be the host of it, or they could come on as a guest, and now you're going to measure it as, well, here's what our, our, our event did before on engagements. But now that we had the influencer participating, here's how many engagements we had. Okay, did they 2x, 3x, 10 number of engagements? Or maybe it's the quality of engagements. Look, the engagements are the same, but holy crap, look who engaged. We had some executives engaged versus just all employees of the company engagement, right? So you've got sort of the reach metrics. You've got the engagement metrics. 
Also, what we're finding, and this tends to be a question too, can influencers drive leads? So you may say, look, we're going to build a webinar series whose goal is lead gen, and, and we're going to build it around an influencer where the influencer is moderating a panel or doing, doing something that is even more specific to the product, right? They're, they're running through the product features and giving honest thoughts one way or the other. And you may very well say, hey, this is now our top performing webinar series from a lead gen standpoint, okay? And maybe that's 20, you know, 20% more leads, 30%, maybe it's double, right? So you absolutely can measure it that sort of way. All make sense so far? No, absolutely. And I think that uh, the timing is really, really good in the B2B space there. Because like I said, one of the biggest challenges that we've all been faced with over the past 12, 14 months, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, is, well, we've had to go virtual. Most industries, every industry I've seen has started to adopt that, whether it's via trade association, whether it's trying to spin up their own virtual events. Like, you've got this really nice baseline there. You know, so to layer this in, you've got your control variable, you've got your control baseline. Maybe right. now's a really good time to start, you know, and, and look at these new tactics because since, you know, and, and various companies have adopted digital in different ways, almost all of them now are going to have some type of baseline that they can compare a before and after to really, you know, figure out how to start having that conversation from a return on investment or even no go you know, go, no, go decision after that first test, you know? Um, yes. so I think that that's, you know, I think again, really, really great insight, Carter. And I, I think too, you know, going back to that idea. Like, Pull that thought because I want to, I want to add the second piece, which is how these things actually are really measured. All right. Yeah. This will be an interesting one. Please. I Really measured, okay? All of us, we're all marketers, we all embrace ROI and all that kind of fun stuff. But what happens is, all of a sudden, the CMO or the CEO or someone in the C-suite hears from someone they know who says, hey, I just saw your podcast with X influencer, and that was great. How did you get them on the show? Okay? That's really what happened. And all of a sudden, the C-suite executive is, whatever you guys are doing, keep doing it. Yep. And that's, okay. uh, yep, that's absolutely right. It's like that anecdotal, like, you know, because, you know, there, I think it was a, maybe it was a Yogi Bearism. I can't remember who it was, but, you know, there's damn lies and then there's statistics, right? So n number, numbers are important. But at the, uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's like that anecdotal verification usually provides the, the clearest confirmation that things are being done right. Um, you know, I even think about, you know, what we've seen in other aspects of digital, right? Like, you know, even things that are really can be in the weeds technical, like search engine marketing, right? Is, um, okay, great. Yeah, our organic traffic numbers are going up and all that, you know, all, all those things that many people would consider vanity metrics these days. Um, but it's like, oh, actually, you know, the, the CEO was doing a search for a product category and we used to be fifth. Now we're first. He's super happy, right? You know, it's. <laughs> yes, and it's, it, is, it is very much human nature. I have learned that when I'm talking about something new and, and hopefully you get a sense, my goal is to make something new, not actually seem that new. Right. Right. 
um, to take away a bit of the mystery about it, which ends up creating fear and, and risk, and really say this is an extension of what you already do. Um, you know, one of the things when folks bring up the ROI and they, and they bring it up pretty early and pretty hard, typically that tells me that they don't understand. It also tells me they're doing what I call a random sample of one. And I've dealt with this my whole sort of marketing career where someone says, well, I don't really understand why we want to be on Twitter. What they're really saying is I don't really understand Twitter. Okay. And, and these things we're talking about, and we've gone through this curve over the last 20 years. I remember way back when, where industrial companies were like, why do I need a website? Okay, we don't have huge audiences all over the world. I'm just serving a local market, all right? Or to your point on SEO, why do I need to do SEO when I can do paid search? And then they discover why, right, when they turn off all their SEO efforts and realize their paid search suck, or responses really suck. Right? It's the same with social, whether we like it or not, we don't have a choice. And it's the same with influencer, which is why I characterize it as word of mouth. Everybody needs word of mouth. And the more we resist it by really not asking questions to understand, but shrouding it in these things like where's the ROI, which is basically saying we don't understand, is going to hold us back relative to the competitors that are embracing this stuff um, full speed ahead. Yep. Not, not, nothing, nothing confuses a conversation more than acronyms and buzzwords. Yes. And, uh, digital marketing is full of them. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, so, okay. So, you know, I, I think, you know, really I love like, you know, we've got like this, this set of new tools to start talking about how to really control real human conversation. Well, not control, but influence real human conversation. You know, really what, um, yeah, okay, yeah, we can use data and, you know, of course, baselines, it's always good for testing, but really the big payoff is that anecdotal experience, you know, so say I'm, I'm a company now and I'm bought in and I'm like, all right, you know, I really need to take this seriously, but, you know, especially, right, we're having this conversation, you know, middle end of February, people might be listening to it in March, you know, a lot of, of business cycles are going to go budgeting and planning from a year-to-year -year perspective. Now, say I'm a marketer, I'm listening to this, and it's like, you know what, my budget is, is very allocated. Um, you know, I know where it's going, but I, I really want to get moving. What are some of the cost-effective ways, you know, instead of just saying, hey, influencer, here's a bag of cash, help me out. What are some of the creative or resourceful ways that you've seen companies start down this path? Do you think one can be very, you know, valuable if we're getting caught midstream during budget season, or maybe you know there's some I don't know, say skepticism in the greater organization, and you want to kind of get a proof of concept out there? How can you start to move towards that? Well, I'll, I will tell you if I boil this question down for for many of the listeners. Um, you can get influencers to do things for free. Notice how slowly I said that, right? Yes, you can. And as a matter of fact, we work with a number of um, startup companies that do not have the budgets that larger companies do to throw at new marketing initiatives, okay? Not only that, I'll take it a step further, Generally speaking, I recommend to start off influencer initiatives with things where you're not paying them. And the reason is that the moment you write a check to them, 
you will always be a transaction versus building a relationship. Okay, so, so if I broaden the question to say, what is the easiest way to get started with influencer without writing checks because we care about building relationships versus transactions? It is really simple things. So if at your company, you or your executives, for example, have a monthly ar uh, uh, article that you write for an industry publication, or reaching out to an influencer to get a quote to put in the article is a very, very simple example. And when you reach out to someone and say, I'm putting together my, my monthly column at this publication, you're going to get some responses back and they're going to give you quotes. You know why? Because influencers understand the power of media, understand the power of other people, you know, being in other people's platforms. It's the brands that are trying to get their head around that. The influencers understand this really, really well. So you can get quotes for your articles and blog posts. And by the way, one of my thematics I talk to clients about is every piece of brand content should have another voice. And one of those other voices are influencers. Okay, so you can get quotes for your bylines, quotes for your blog posts. Another great example and another thematic we're pushing clients on are podcasts of the new blog posts. And one of the things I love about podcasts, hence this one here today, is it gives you a platform upon which to invite a guest to make it about them. Influencers will be happy to be on your podcast. They'll also be happy to be a guest panelist on your webinar and provide their expert perspective. They'll be happy to have a conversation with the CEO or, or an executive about an upcoming product release because they'd like to stay on top of things that are happening and they like to be treated as if they're a VIP and special person. Who would have thought, right. right? All of these are really easy ways to do it, even if it's getting your feet wet, you don't have a budget, you want some sort of proof of concept that the baseline of a webinar with an influencer involved would be higher than a, a typical webinar. Yeah, no, and I, I think, you know, you, you think about that too, and, and it, it's almost, thinking in terms of maybe a different currency right is you know in this digital attention economy the audience is the currency not necessarily you know that bag of cash right there though i'm going to stop you there and this is me speaking as a social person we want to switch our vantage point from thinking audience and replace that with the word community Okay, because audience implies one-way communication, okay, and where all of this is evolving is increasingly about community. And we started this off saying, you know, the community owns your brand, you don't, the perception of it. Yep. Okay, so the more we can start to think about community in two-way conversations, the more we can not only embrace how best to leverage influencer, but we can start to shift our thinking about things like, don't think brand awareness, think advocacy. Don't right. think audience, think community, right? Start to shift in how we look at these things. And, and that'll inform how, how we think about being creative um, around these campaigns, if that makes sense. No, I, I yeah, no, I, I, I love that thought of community. And like, you know, boil it down again, I like to anchor in the trade show thing because I know it really resonates with a lot of our, our base here is like, Think about some of the things that, that, that I've seen or that are very successful in those like conference environments, right? So maybe one, one company has a, a community 
um, you know, that maybe they're going to take out to that nice dinner down the street after the show. Maybe another company has a community where everybody benefits. And it's like, hey, let's host that dinner together. And no hard selling. We're just going to have a good time. And you're going to meet my friends and, and I'll meet yours. And we're going to grow together. Right. It's I think it's that same concept. Right. Again, and that that type of networking is as old as time, you know, and, and really. That's exactly it, because now you start to think about the influencer as your Sherpa into the community. Yeah. OK, versus your megaphone um, sort of person. Right. right. Your product spokesman. Right. They're the ones that bring you in because one of the really good ways to use influencers is to invite them to participate in some sort of virtual event and invite them, not require them, but invite them to, to in, uh, bring other panelists. Ask them to recommend who should be running, running a, a panel or another speaker for the event. Now you're tapping directly into their personal network. Yep. Now they're advocating you and your brand to people that are important to them. Okay, but you want to think about them as really the person that is paving the path into the community that that really you want to engage with them. Yeah, and it, it well, and really when you think about it, like in the most basic terms, like it it sounds like you know some of the things we've talked about. Like if you had to to turn it into a phrase that like maybe B two B influencers really you know tried and true, honest networking with a camera involved and maybe streaming it out to the world out there, you know? That is, that is absolutely, that is absolutely the, you know, the way to sort of shift because it has implications for our content roadmap. So instead of saying, hey, let's just write about us, maybe we should introduce the Thought Leadership Series where we have a set of questions and in a blog post we're having an influencer answer them. So yes. we're starting to, as I said, add new voices to our mix. Right, and it starts to shift the vantage points. It, it starts to also come off as much more authentic and credible. It isn't just us doing our version of shilling our product, right, which all knowledgeable buyers see through in a second, right? So all of these move us in the right direction, and I would say with my own vested interest that whether we like it or not, we have to go into this direction, right? Well, and that, that, I think that's what's so interesting, too, about, you know, video and, and voice and embracing those things like you just described is, you know, and, and we'll get a little meta here, but probably not the craziest thing to think that maybe we'd follow up and say, hey, hey uh, Carter, we, we came up with a B2B influencer, you know, as with Carter at Leadtail, and that becomes a written post that all drives off of this. We might have, you know, a nice poll quote from you right next to your face on a social feed driven by an image we captured here, right? Is it becomes this driver of all these different types of content, not to go down the rabbit hole. There's SEO karma there. There's link, you know, backlinking karma there. There's social integration there in the feed. And I don't know, I just think that there's this, you know, and I love the fact a lot of what we talked about was like speaking on a webinar, you know, interviews, podcasts, like you've got this meat for all these other types of content that you can drive off of it. You know, it's kind of fascinating when you think about it. And I would argue, um, and again, this is a whole separate discussion, that as B2B marketers, the notion of building content around inbound and the funnel is evolving. 
So one of the things I'm talking to clients about is how social advertising is the new SEO. Okay. Um, and if you buy into that at all, then you start to go, oh, maybe I shouldn't think about the funnel as top, mid, bottom and have that drive my content strategy around inbound. Instead, I may want to think about discovery, interest, and intent, which is how we engage with social. And you bring up video, and I give, I give you and the Dean Houston team a ton of credit for having a podcast that's video-based versus simply audio-based. What is the number one type of content that is the easiest to engage with on a mobile phone? It's video. This is why we need to do video, okay, versus just saying you got to do more video. It's because 80 to 90% of our buyers now are engaging with our content on a mobile phone, right? So it shifts how you think about it. And when you engage it on a mobile phone, you're engaging video and the stuff that's most engaging on video is things that are thought leadership. It's our talking about themes and topics most interested in the buyers. And most importantly, guess what? When they engage on that, you're not driving them immediately to a gated page because no one wants to fill out a lead form fill with five, seven questions on their phone. Yes, right? how we think about everything around B2B marketing and the influencer marketing is a really good way to kick it off because if you do it correctly, exactly as you talked about, it creates multiple pieces of content that work extremely well in the world of social, digital, and the mobile phone consumption. Yes. Separate from the fact that the influencer will, will amplify the heck out of the content. Yep, absolutely. You know, and, and yeah, it's like, the thing you find all these ways you can kind of double down and, and you think about that like you, you said 80 to 90 percent of people are starting to move toward mobile you know and we talk b2b social and we could probably go for an hour on this so maybe we, we table it for the follow-up carter but like the the rise of content and organic reach on linkedin for b2b you know is like people are scrolling in that feed well, if, if you're hitting them with, you know, little sound bites from a, a podcast that really resonates with them over the course of two weeks, well, magically, they're going to be looking for that lead tail or Dean Houston or insert your company logo as they're scrolling to get more of that, right? Well, let me bring up, let me bring up one other comment on this, and I promise to keep it short because this is moving us in a B2B social versus influence, yeah. but influence is a great starting point is the creative aspect is not, you know, you know, contest, virtual video, how do we do this? It's how do you string things together? How do I take one anchor piece of content and pull out of that a 20 second video snippet that will then point to a two minute version that will then point to a reg page for the next webinar series, yep. right? And how do I leverage in retargeting on social advertising? How do I leverage in a, a drift or intercom pop-up when I drive them into a blog post that has the embedded uh, video snippets of the influencer interview in a way to drive leads that aren't discreetly on landing pages? And how do I optimize that chain, just like we've all learned to optimize marketing automation chains off email marketing, nurture streams, right? All of this is evolving and that fundamentally, building that new machinery that starts with influencer marketing is really the creative aspect of where we're all moving down this sort of next generation of B2B uh, marketing.